Out There Media Group presents Out There Radio, a weekly journey into the world of the occult, conspiracy theories, counterculture, and the bizarre undercurrents of the human psyche. It's Out There with your hosts, Raymond Wiley and Austin Gandy. Welcome to episode 60 of Out There Radio. My name is Raymond Wiley. And I'm Austin Gandy. And uh, we've been having fun tonight. As usual, we've, you know, waited to the last minute to do our research. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's been sort of like pulling the strings off of a sweater. Mm -hmm. And we just keep putting it off. And it's getting kind of late in the evening. Yeah, we are way beyond our production schedule here. That's right. But, you know. It's been um, worth it, though. Yeah, I mean, it's been, we've been making fun of conspiracy films on YouTube all day and reading Wikipedia articles, and that's scholarship, Uh ladies and gentlemen. Don't forget it. We have uncovered some really wild rabbit holes, but let's not, let's not rush. About what? Let's not rush. How are you, Raymond? I'm on edge. No, I'm not. (laughs) I quit smoking cigarettes, but I'm not on edge. Mm -hmm. You see this? poking my e-cigarette at you. Mm-hmm. So I, I still got my nicotine fix. Yep. But, you know, I figured it wasn't good to be smoking cigarettes on YouTube. Mm-hmm. We got feedback from the fans expressing concern over our long-term health, and I appreciate that. So... Yeah, I mean, and it just it felt like it was time. Mm-hmm. And I'm poor, and it's way cheaper. Oh, my God. So, so much cheaper. So... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Here's to that. Yeah, if anybody um, would like to sponsor a particular brand of e-cigarette on the Out There V-Blog, <laughs> right. we are accepting contributions from major e-cigarette corporations. We will trade e-liquid for sponsorships. Mm-hmm. Like, I will shill your e-cig company if you'll give me a free e-lick. We've also been called shills. Well, we did that Alex Jones episode mm-hmm. the other, you know, a couple weeks ago. And if you... If you try to bust people's sacred, if you if you try to tip over people's sacred cows, then you're going to get called a shill. Yeah, Austin. we knew what we were getting into. But I had fun. Yeah, I had fun, and and when we were called shills in the comment section, the the individual who called us such made a perfectly fine point that I don't disagree with. Of course, the media is in bed with the government. Of course, the military and the government and the media are all collaborating to create some kind of dystopic present future hellscape Orwellian hellscape that's pretty well established that's not exactly a conspiracy theory that's just kind of the story of the world yeah but don't confuse that with how you're a total fanboy exactly if you're a total fanboy for I mean you can be a total fanboy for us for all I care but we're not going to tell you oh well you got to believe X Y and Z Mm -hmm. and be afraid all the time yep but That said, we got some scary stuff tonight. Oh, so scary. So, angels, don't play this harp. Harp. Which should properly be called the hafarp, is the high-frequency active auroral research program in, where is it, in Alaska? It's in Alaska. In Gakona, Alaska. Yes. Right? Established in 1993 and under construction for quite a while. I think it's uh I don't think it went online till like two thousand seven. Yeah, right? the current working 
IRI or ionospheric research, research instrument was not even brought on until 2007, which is the thing that freaks everybody out and convinces them that HARP is capable of all kinds of, I would say, almost magical effects, including weather, mm-hmm. weather control, the creation of earthquakes, yep. uh, destabilization of uh, electromagnetic fields, and even the implanting of thoughts into human minds. Well, let me tell you, Austin, I watched the um, Jesse Ventura conspiracy theory show episode about HARP. And when Jesse flew in, uh-huh. right, to the HARP facility to, like, see what was going on. Basically kick down the gate. Well, they wouldn't let him kick down the gate. But the guards came out. Oh. There weren't actually guards, by the way. The guards came out, and they had those hel- those sloping helmets <laughs> from the Death Star, you know, where uh-huh. the guys, like, commits primary ignition, you know. So that's the kind of shit they got going on up in there. Uh-huh. But apparently, the Death Star is not running right now. That's right, and that's, that's why right. we're that's why we're covering the topic. This yeah, week. that's why it really came up because it's been all over. I don't know about your Facebook feed, but mine is just pouring over with people yeah. celebrating the demise of the Harp weather control station. As far as I can tell, and yes, it's been shut down for a couple of weeks. There's it's currently completely inoperable. I'm not celebrating. What are we going to blame all the natural disasters on now? Exactly. I mean, we are talking about an electromagnetic electromagnetic device that somehow managed to serve as the locus for so many conspiracy theories, more than I can count, really. They tend to just kind of throw in harp. The chemtrail conspiracies, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's also um, insinuated that it has something to do with UFO activity and so on and so forth. I mean, it's yep. all over the place. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do without HARP? It goes it goes from the mundane end, which is like it's part of some Star Wars style project for ballistic missile defense, mm-hmm. to the way to the way other end. And you're right, aliens, mm-hmm. chemtrails, controlling the weather, Katrina. Mm-hmm. So it's it pretty far out. But this has always out. been something that humans have been fascinated by, right? Well, this was an element that you added in just before we started production tonight. Mm-hmm. And I like this. Tell us about some previous weather control conspiracies Mm -hmm. from history. Well, I mean, obviously we can go as far back as there have been people. There's been an interest in weather patterns. Because what, I mean, weather is so primordial and immense in its complexity and power that, I mean, it's it's obvious to say that a human would be fascinated by something that can just, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) come out of a clear blue sky and display unimaginable amounts of power. Right. So indigenous tribes all the way back to the beginning have sought, you know, means to predict or control the weather through various propitiatory rites or chanted invocations or what have you. Whether it be piety or magic, Mm -hmm. trying to to pray to the weather gods. Yeah. To claim a bit of that power for yourself. And I'll take you one further. Gets even worse when people start planting crops and doing agriculture. Absolutely. Now the weather, it's even worse because before you're the hunter gatherer, right? Yeah, if it rains all the time, a couple of people are going to get sick over here, you know. Uh, some of your building, pro- your, your, your hut might fall down, whatever. Mm-hmm. But once you get over into the agricultural society, if uh, the weather doesn't go like you want it, well, you're all going to starve this winter. Sorry. Yeah. You know, so. I mean, ancient Rome had its own harp. Weather device. Dude, this is great. <laughs> Which is called the Lapis Manalis. Okay. And this was this immense stone um, that was kept outside of the walls of Rome in a little temple to Mars. And it was kept out there until a drought 
came upon Rome, and then they would go out and tie ropes to this thing and drag it within the walls of uh, of Rome, and they would pour water on it to try to bring the rain to to Rome. They had their their own. That's science. I, I mean, proven science. Not bad, not bad for <laughs> the ancient world. Um, the Trojan War itself, as well, as this displays another aspect of it: the military aspect of weather control, going all the way back to the Trojan War. Mm-hmm. Uh, we learn from Homer that Agamemnon's troops killed a pregnant rabbit, right? Mm-hmm. And this angered Artemis, the the huntress, um, because they, I mean, you don't kill a a pregnant rabbit any more than you'd kill a a, a doe and her fawns, exactly. right? Um, it, will, it will bring her wrath. And when Agamemnon was sending his troops to land their ships in Troy and participate in the Trojan War, Artemis summoned up a wind to keep them from being able to land. And they had to propitiate her by offering the sacrifice of Iphigenia. Um, Agamemnon's daughter. Mm-hmm. Her very daughter. Yeah, very as daughter, retribution. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So she was like Harp. She was a weather <laughs> control, control device, device, exactly. Dude, like command and conquer red alert, man. Mm-hmm. It's totally. <laughs> yeah. And it was clear that there was, you know, I mean, this is something that occurred numerous times as well, learning about, you know, military or political aspects of weather control. In 1590, this one blows my mind, the uh, North Berwick witch trials occurred, which implicated probably hundreds of people, uh, probably upwards of a, of a hundred people in the attempt to assassinate King James VI. Um, as his uh, ship was going through the waters near Scotland off uh, East Lothian, Scotland. Um, and apparently these witches went out to um, this particular, you know, um, cliffside outcrop or whatever and attempted to, you know, submerge the ships of King James VI, or at least that's how the story goes. Um, gotcha. The subsequent trials after they had to, you know, put into dock in Norway for like three weeks to wait for these storms to, to subside were, you know, kind of King James apparently cleaning house of a few political enemies that he didn't particularly like. But uh, many of these confessions were extracted under torture, um, it's like of course. The, the English Inquisition. Very much so. Gotcha. So, but none of these things really do very good job controlling the weather, it seems right. like. Right. Well... Maybe the Romans. I don't know. I, I mean, that's a pretty that's a pretty big stone to haul all that distance if you're not gonna actually cause the weather to change because of it. Well, we won't let them in on it. Mm-hmm. Well, they're all. I mean, that, that's all in hit past now. Anyway, we've got harp now. Right. It's it, prior to now. It okay. has been the domain of religion and magic to attempt to control the weather, and and now it since is the either, turn of the last century, all of a sudden science begins to show its hand and try to take the reins of the power of the gods. Not just science, but the speculative and narrative-building nature Mm -hmm. of man. If weather control is a thing, in some people's minds, if weather control is a thing that exists, then it is something that, by that very definition, people are trying to do. Yeah. Now, that is not necessarily true, but... Harp becomes the magnet, right? Mm -hmm. And so what is harp? Right. So it's confusing. And this, I think, is one of the reasons why it's such a magnet for conspiracies is it is a very technical uh, series of devices designed to generate activity in the ionosphere. Um, The IRI we talked about earlier, the ionospheric research instrument is basically a mega antenna designed to uh, project high-frequency waves into the ionosphere and cause a particular area of it to become excited. 
And this has numerous applications, including studying the effects of, you know, the aurora in the ionosphere mm -hmm. and so on and so forth, but also um, seeking ways to capitalize on the specific activity of plasma in the ionosphere to broadcast um, radio waves over extreme long distances, to intercept or interfere with uh, with electromagnetic communications or the signals controlling a rocket or a missile or what have mm -hmm. you. These are all things that on paper HARP is designed to be able to do. And looking at the patent, as far as I can tell, totally legit, um, submitted in 1983 and I think accepted in 1987, um, mm -hmm. you know, it does look like they were trying to secure some nice fat funding from DARPA by emphasizing the degree to which it would be a useful tool in disturbing and interfering with enemy communications, basically causing a blackout mm -hmm. of communications in specific areas around the globe because the signals from HARP could be bounced off a satellite or what have you, and you could basically just shut down an entire nation's um, communication network. But this is, this is only, you have to infer this. Reading the right, patent. right. It, it is it is what the patent basically says it will be able right. to do. And and that's okay. I want to talk about that before we even go on into the history of HARP. Mm -hmm. Is that you read the patent, you read some of the original documentation, and it seems almost like I won't say a boondoggle because mm -hmm. there are obviously scientific applications for yeah. the array, but almost as if like it would. It, from the very beginning, made itself a magnet of conspiracy yeah. theories by playing up its military applica applications in an effort to get funding. Absolutely. And now, where are we now? We're talking about the story because there is no funding anymore. And let mm -hmm. me tell you, Austin, if they could control the weather and start the Fukushima tsunami mm -hmm. and all this stuff, they wouldn't be shutting the facility down. Indeed. You know, And they wouldn't be juggling between private civilian contractors to run the place and Jesse old Jesse Ventura when he came in on his helicopter might have seen some armed guards mm -hmm. but anyway well um, I mean it only know. lingers for a second but it does definitely say in the patent application itself it has the the capability of you know basically superheating some part of the atmosphere mm -hmm. and causing a nonlinear sort of, you know, because you cause this little disturbance here, it causes it kind of a cascade effect mm -hmm. and weather manipulation is possible. And it even suggests that it could focus basically the atmosphere like a lens. And uh, what does it say? It says, and apply a vast amount of solar radiation to a specific area. So, yeah, I mean, it, it suggests that it might be yeah, capable weapon. of doing that. Yes. But if it were, maybe, the, oh, maybe this. Mm -hmm. I got it, Austin. This is just the first step. Ah. Okay. Mm -hmm. They're going for full-on command and conquer super weapon at Let, the end of this. Let's talk about super weapons when we come back because okay. we've got to blow the lid off the Nikola Tesla connection That's to right. HARP. HARP. We'll be right back. Back, Austin, Nikola Tesla, and the Harp connection. What is he? Ultimate search engine optimization tool. <laughs> True put, that. You, put yourself some Tesla on something, you're gonna get some hits. Mega clickbait. That's right. Yeah. So if you say that Tesla did something and that technology is being used now, 
extra clicks. And I don't think there's a single episode we've ever done where you didn't. We, I didn't at least try to figure out if Tesla could be roped in. But this is legit. This connection is very strong. <laughs> you, you, that, that part of your mind that's looking for connections yeah. is always thinking about Tesla, it. Tesla, Tesla. Who was he? Well, okay. So Nikola Tesla is the much lauded inventor of alternating current. He was mm-hmm. a uh, contemporary of Edison and is currently the internet's, I think, like mascot or something. He's enjoyed <laughs> right. a real renaissance. Him and Grumpy Cat. Yeah, basically. Yeah, basically yeah. the patron saint of internet dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's you know famous because not only was he a brilliant inventor um, with almost paranormal, and often it's insinuated that he did have paranormal or UFO-related powers, like, powers or visions right. or what have you. He was that that brilliant. He was also very, uh, I guess he was a bit of an eccentric. Um, he had some ideologies that were very much uh, at odds with uh, ideas like Edison's or the uh, the investors like J.P. Morgan mm-hmm. of his time, um, who were very much looking for the the practical capitalistic applications of science, whereas Tesla appeared to be devoted to the idea of improving the world and stopping war and bringing free abundant energy wirelessly to every human being on the planet. He was so ahead of his time; he's still ahead of our time, basically. Yeah, I was about to say I don't. You don't hear about. Such altruism very often. Mm-hmm. It's all this Milton Freeman, the market controls everything shit. Yeah, so uh, it's would, you know, <laughs> the classic argument of capitalism is even that you have to reward people to get them to work hard and make inventions that are going to improve the world. And Tesla stands right. as a, a wonderful counterexample to that. He didn't, he famously lost a lot of money by just kind of giving patents away or not being a savvy enough capitalist to protect them. Um, and died in poverty, unfortunately, um, because he wasn't capitalist enough, but we have him to thank for the radio and all the appliances in your house that run an alternating current. Um, if Edison had had his way, he would have... Electric motors. Electric motors, yeah. Um, the Tesla coil, mm-hmm. which, I mean, if you've ever been to like a sci-fi convention and like perfect instrument for dork bands yeah that shit is badass <laughs> shoot lightning bolts you can make lightning bolts in your own garage for right. crying out loud thank you but what connects him to this story mm-hmm. is better than all of that it's better even than alternating current because it's a death ray right so looking over the patent as we were talking earlier it kind of insinuates that it's the harp patent. the harp patent um it's potentially uh, it was it was kind of billed at the time to darpa which was one of the main funders of the harp uh research station what darpa the the what research the station? harp thank you research station um so in this patent it includes a list of other references and one of them is to liberty magazine february 1935 comma in tesla and i saw that citation and my heart just skipped a little beat i was like really it's so far out it makes you question the veracity of the patent document that yes. you're reading. <laughs> so, but you go to the article, mm-hmm. and this is this is great classic stuff. You can have some quotes for us on this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I had to follow it, and lo and behold, the actual February second issue of Liberty Mag- Liberty Magazine is in fact online, um, and it is it includes an in, a article by Nikola Tesla called A Weapon to End All War. And I think I actually... Uh, Did you uh, close the No, tab? I didn't. I didn't. It's right okay. here. <laughs> Don't freak out. <laughs> um, a Machine to End War. 
Okay. And Tesla, you know, kind of goes on about the various problems that plague mankind um, and uh, states that um, man's warlike nature is kind of, you know, uh, a difficult thing to eliminate. Um, but one of the things that really caught my eye um, was when he talks about what he envisions the 21st century will be like. It's really quite sweet. He says, today, the most civilized countries of the world spend a maximum of their income on war and a minimum on education. The 21st century will reverse this order. It will be more glorious to fight against ignorance than to die on the field of battle. The discovery of a new scientific truth will be more important than the squabble of diplomats. Even the newspapers of our own day are beginning to treat scientific discoveries and the creation of fresh philosophical concepts as news. The newspapers of the 21st century will give a mere stick-in-the-back pages to accounts of crime or political controversies, but will headline on the front page the proclamation of new scientific hypotheses. I don't think our show is really in line with what Nikola Tesla <laughs> thought for the 21st century. He goes on to explain what the barrier to that is. I'm ready. Progress along such lines will be impossible while nations persist in the savage practice of killing each other off. I inherited from my father, an erudite man who labored hard for peace, an ineradicable hatred of war. Like other inventors, I believed at one time that war could be stopped by making it more destructive, but I found that I was mistaken. I underestimated man's combative instinct, which it will take more than a century to breed out. We cannot abolish war by outlawing it. We cannot end it by disarming the strong. War can be stopped not by making the strong weak, but by making every nation, weak or strong, able to defend itself. Interesting. Defend itself with what? Suggestions, Austin? right? With, with, uh, so the first thing that kind of comes to mind is a death ray or a nuke, right? right? Something, some kind of mutually assured destruction scenario seems to be the kind of thing that he's setting up. But he goes on. Mm-hmm. As if, as if like he's predicted the nuke, the nuke. The nuke, right. Yeah. It's, this is 1935. It's uh, got a ways to go yet. Yeah. Um, hitherto, all devices that could be used for defense could also be utilized to serve for aggression, like the nuke. This nullifies the value of the improvement for purposes of peace. But I was fortunate enough to evolve a new idea and to perfect means which can be used chiefly for defense. If it is adopted, it will revolutionize the relations between nations. It will make any country, large or small, impregnable against armies, airplanes, and other means of attack. My invention requires a large plant, but once it is established, it will be impossible to destroy anything, men or machines, approaching with... It will be possible to destroy anything, men or machines, approaching within a radius of 200 miles. It will, so to speak, provide a wall of power, offering an insuperable obstacle against any effective aggression. He goes on to dispel the rumors that this is a death ray, in fact. It's, in fact, more of a death particle emitter. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Rays are not applicable because they cannot be produced in in requisite quantities and diminish rapidly in intensity with distance. All the energy of New York City, approximately 2 million horsepower at the time, <laughs> transformed into rays and projected 20 miles could, could not kill a human being because, according to a well-known law of physics, it would disperse to such an extent, uh, to, uh, such an extent as to be ineffectual, which is... Putting the death ray to bed. Right. The yes. death ray is too ineffectual for... So it's more like a death Romulan disruptor. Here's the meat. This is the most technical stuff we get from him. My apparatus projects particles which may be relatively large or of microscopic dimensions, enabling us to convey to a small area at a great distance trillions of times more energy than is possible with rays of any kind. Many thousands of horsepower can thus be transmitted by a stream thinner than a hair so that nothing can resist. 
This wonderful feature will make it possible, among other things, to achieve undreamed-of results in television, for there will be almost <laughs> no limit to the intensity of illumination, the size of the picture, or distance of projection. He's talking about harp, basically. He's talking about something that would be capable of creating an ultra-high frequency disturbance of electromagnetic energy in something like the ionosphere across a vast distance much more effectively than a ray or a laser. We but were talking can about harp the, actually do that? <laughs> that's the question. Okay. That's the question. Uh, we were talking about like the Star Wars defense system, mm -hmm. uh, you know, attempting to use lasers, rail guns, satellites, and so on to shoot, you know, rockets and ballistic missiles out of the sky. Very ineffective compared to something that could say jam radio transmissions, right? Right. And that's, I mean, that's basically as far as I can tell. Nikola Tesla's being remarkably coy i guess he'd probably been burned a few times at this point by <laughs> right. releasing too many technical details he's being a little coy but he's talking about a large plant that can produce a huge amount of it can project particles mm -hmm. an extreme distance away and kind of excite things at the site but and he's talking about its you know use in broadcasting television for instance i mean he's exactly talking about the kinds of stuff that would be beamed to our satellites mm -hmm. by something like harp which is actively used to communicate with like submarines and such well, that's guessed. We don't know that okay. for sure. Okay. We have other means, which we talked about in the mermaid episode, if uh, you remember, right. of getting to submarines and of doing some of this underwater scanning stuff. Uh -huh. But um, it does make you wonder. But the big question is, is why is this article cited, cited. in this patent? Is this yeah. this random... Snopes this or something, you know? I, I did my best. I really did due, okay. di due diligence to try to figure out that this patent was, in fact, the patent because it's almost too good to be believed. But this 1935 Liberty Magazine article where it's Tesla just kind of yeah. throws it out. I mean, he's talking about a very similar sort of technology in 1935. It's very, very interesting. So anyway, I, I assume it was used by, you know, the, the drafters of the patent as kind of inspirational mm -hmm. background like well what and if we could maybe do that? as once again fodder for mm -hmm. darpa people fodder for people looking for advanced weaponry as a way to get money in yeah you know i mean and i can see that uh, let's give credit to the patent drafter and to darpa for being in on the whole tesla craze before it was cool on the internet well i mean how many things with darpa have we talked about so far mm -hmm. on this show where you know they're looking to like put cameras on bugs and remotely control cockroaches and build robots that can fight in the battlefield or an oracle yeah. that can teach you what the, tell you what the next move you need to make with your unit is and like predict what's going to happen the gay bomb they this is oh, we're talking <laughs> i mean we're talking about the 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 research arm that actively investigated whether you could weaponize homosexuality in a pheromone bomb for crying out loud there is nothing that darpa would not consider doing right and I find it perfectly plausible to believe that HARP was designed to be used for some military application. Sure. <laughs> absolutely. But it, it leaves us with the question, is it capable of doing so? And if so, why in God's name would it run out of funding? Or why right. would they leave it in the hands of it's a government-owned contractor-operated facility that largely is relied upon by various research universities for atmospheric data? Okay, that's right? the other thing. It's right. You can get a tour. Every so often, Jesse Ventura can't. Yeah. Oh well, he, he didn't want to wait. He wouldn't want to wait two years or whatever. That's it. And he's the governor, right? He's mm -hmm. a former Navy SEAL. That would have let him in. That's good television. <laughs> that was. I gotta say, that was pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, but 
no guards, dude. Mm-hmm. You could have jumped that fence if you'd wanted to. And that's, you know, much unlike something like Area 51 where they have a sign-up and it's like, okay, it's well-known magnet for conspiracy theories also, mm-hmm. but they... But for a reason, there's a sign-up that says, we can shoot you if you go past this line, like, stay back. Mm -hmm. And you think if it were something that sensitive. It would be operated by the military. Yeah, thank you. If it's the next Manhattan Project, Mm -hmm. and we're secretly waging war on all these other countries and everything, using it, where are the guards, Mm -hmm. dude? Like, where, like, where, and why the civilian contract? Yeah. It wouldn't show up on Google freaking Earth for crying out loud. <laughs> Dick Cheney's house isn't on well, Google maybe, Earth. Do you think maybe, the super weapon of the New World Order would be on Google Earth? Right. Well, no. maybe they predicted that we would think this. Ah. So hiding in plain sight is the safest thing of all. That's right. Except what about all of the people that are less skeptical than we are that just think it's a conspiracy anyway? See, there's no, there's mm-hmm. no place in everybody. That's true. So, so we'll get into more harp stuff. We come back from the break, and okay. I've got because there was an earlier predecessor of Harp. Oh yeah, that I want to talk about for a minute with a space cannon, mm-hmm. also called Harp. We'll be back. We're back to talk about Harp and mm-hmm. the other project, Harp. Yes, the original harp mm-hmm. with the anime space cannon. Have you uh, have you seen Robotech? I have seen Robotech. Yeah, it was the bomb mm-hmm. when I was twelve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And freaking um, robots transforming into fighter jets and shit, right? Mechs. You know, it was the first like I think famous anime long form narrative series. Right? Yeah, good stuff. It's like Pacific Rim, but when we were kids, giant got robots it. fighting you got it. fighting monsters. Yeah. So. Back then, Earth, back then. I like how it, it's back then uh-huh. now. <laughs> back then, they had the Grand Cannon with mm. which they protected the Earth from the alien invaders, the, the Zentrani. They're gonna, the anime nerds are going to correct me on this if I get this wrong. Okay, anyway. Don't, don't mess this are up. Are you ready for this? There is a Grand Cannon, Barbados. Mm-hmm. Great vacation destination. Yeah, right. and you can apparently hike up to see this thing. Yes, it is a cannon. It's a 100 caliber cannon. Mm-hmm. So for 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 you out there who aren't Ted Nugent gun nuts, like 50 caliber is like that wide. Mm-hmm. So multiply that by 200, and that's how wide this cannon is. Anyway, they built it in the 1960s mm-hmm. to do research about high in the atmosphere before they had harp, harp, harp. technology. Mm-hmm. And this was just the high altitude research program. Yeah. And their their plan, and this is some some more weird science, not Tesla level though, was that they were going to launch satellites instead of using rockets. They were just going to fire the satellites off into orbit using this cannon. And uh, they fired uh, like this huge slug, like many tons, 110 miles up. Was mm-hmm. it reached at, so it reached suborbital flight and came back down. Mm-hmm. It never quite got anything into space, unfortunately. Now, I think the idea was that you were going to, like, you know, load the equivalent of, like, an Easter egg, plastic Easter egg in uh-huh. there with a satellite in it, and you'd launch the thing, and then the thing comes, it opens up, and yeah. your satellite floats I think there were some technical there. issues with the amount of force that that thing could generate. Like, it would take a really rugged satellite to... 
Yeah, I mean, I, I can't see being fired out of a. I can't see you firing the Hubble Space Telescope mm-hmm. out of a hundred caliber cannon. I mean, right. but Robotech, right? Mm-hmm. So there's the original Harp, Austin, and I thought, oh, that's so cool. So one of the things, and this is just one last tidbit before we get back yeah. into the conspiracy fodder. One of the things they have to study is when you send something way up in the air like that, like a, a cannon shell or something, the Earth literally turns underneath it mm. before the shell comes back down. And you have to calculate that to hit your target correctly. Ah. Yes. It's yes. like in Gravity's Rainbow, right? Yes, or World War One. If you remember that the Germans very briefly in World War One had a cannon which they could shell Paris Mm-hmm. with from the front line and the front line is like 30 miles 20 30 miles away from paris in world war one so they were just lobbing shells in the cannon was so big it had to be fired from a from a, a railroad track and then it had some kind of rudimentary computer in it same thing calculated the turn of the earth as yeah. the shell was in the air so um, parabolas are a hell of a thing to calculate in 3d especially if it's 1916 mm-hmm. yeah so but new harp, right? New Forget harp. about shelling Paris. Right. You We're, don't even have to fire a shell. That's right. They don't <laughs> even know you're at war with uh-huh. them. <laughs> oh, God. Right. So we've talked about the weather control aspect. There are other insidious aspects, like, for instance, I, I suppose this is related, but bombarding an area with solar radiation and just frying a population or what have you. Um, But then there's also the chilling prospect of mind control. This comes up a lot with Mm -hmm. harp. And it's, I think the furthest stretch for me, like Mm -hmm. the, it seems like on paper, the people who originally sought funding for harp kind of wanted it to be a weather control (laughs) solar radiation bombarding weapon. And they would also get a bunch of research out of it, you know, but on paper it was kind of, it seems like maybe that was what they were going for. But if they succeeded, you wouldn't be able to like, they wouldn't be letting grad students in the, in the facility. Exactly. exactly. (laughs) But I'm talking about intent here and nowhere in the patent does it say also we'll be able to beam thoughts into the enemy's mind. Where does this come from? I don't know. And, and actually, the the biggest researchers into HARP, Jerry Smith being one of them, and uh, Begich? Nick, Nick, Begich? Nick Begich Jr. Jr. Yeah. Um, who wrote Angels Don't Play This HARP, right? Um, both of them, there's a little bit about mind control in their work, and it kind of makes you wonder, like, how does this get... Why are people thinking about mm-hmm. long-distance mind control here? Yeah, it it dovetails a little bit with the chemtrail conspiracies, right? Where people claim that these, you know, that passenger jets and what have you are somehow spraying a chemical which ranges in effects from just being a fluoride-like poison or an actual substance that is designed to affect human thought patterns or what have you. So it's part of the chemtrail conspiracy. Seems like it dovetails a bit, yeah. Okay, what... Here's my my comparison between the chemtrail conspiracy and the harp conspiracy is that with both conspiracy theories, both camps of conspiracy mm-hmm. theories, they cannot make up their mind what the evil thing that they're against does. Does, right. And that kind of bothers me. Yeah, and particularly how it does it. I didn't get that from any of the YouTube stuff or mm-hmm. any of the documentaries that I watched. None of them went to the links to ex- explain it. And you're right. It's the same way with chemtrails. If you watch the film, the most famous film about chemtrails, Austin, it's called 
what in the world are they spraying? Right. And I watched this film in horror, you know, because I got to the end of it, and I'm like, they're not going to tell us anything actually about their theory about what chemtrails do, how they work, or any proof that they are. And let me throw this out mm-hmm. while I'm on the topic and while I'm getting all yeah, you're annoyed. Riled. I'm getting riled up about this. Uh-huh. Okay. If chemtrails are a real thing, you can prove it. Are you ready? It's okay. called a spectrometer. Mm-hmm. Or spectroscopy, mm-hmm. I believe is the word, right? If you can tell what kind of chemicals mm-hmm. make up a star that is bazillions of light years away. Yeah. Bazillions. Bazillions. Name. We have um, that technology. You can tell what is what the chemical makeup of a gas coming off the back of a jetliner is in the atmosphere. Correct. You know, prove me wrong. Mm-hmm. If I'm wrong about this, please tell me. But if I'm not wrong, then chemtrails, we should have been able to prove this and put the guys in court and put them under the jail by now because yeah. it would seem like you'd have a smoking gun. Mm-hmm. Harp, Instead of just a bunch of hot air. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what contrails are. Also, what harp is designed to do. Heats up Heats the up upper the air. atmosphere. Yeah. Well, there you have it. It is all so. just hot air in it. Now I'll uh, I'll entertain the conspiracy that this is some kind of like anti ballistic missile shield Absolutely. experiment. Yeah. And that because then the grad students and the lack of security and all of that makes more sense because we have the I think we have the ABN treaty mm-hmm. which we had during the Clinton administration, if I'm correct on this, and then I think Bush backed out of it. Mm. So Harp has been over both of those administrations. But I think it, knowing that it came out of the Clinton administration or out of those years, right after the Cold War, you can see why they might have wanted to keep quiet about it if you could actually knock down a... I mean, you think, okay, if you could superheat some part of the atmosphere mm-hmm. and a Russian, you know, SS-8 missile or whatever, SSN-18 missile or whatever comes comes through that part of the atmosphere, you'd think that that would screw it up pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, even, you know, less exotic than that, just being able to detect them, like they're, the disturbance that various missiles and their sizes, the kind of plume that they'd leave behind as they move through the atmosphere would be something detectable by something like HARP. That's you right. know, which is not just a transmitter, but is also a huge array of receivers. Okay, and that makes sense because a lot of the reason, it wasn't just the treaty that kind of killed Star Wars and killed the idea of ballistic missile defense, but the idea that it was so expensive and then that for so much cheaper than you could shoot down a missile, you could put a countermeasure on a missile that would fool your trillion-dollar system, and right. the, la- the super laser ends up shooting at a balloon over here mm-hmm. instead of a warhead. And so something like Hart maybe would be, could be able to detect, this is just speculation, but something like countermeasures yeah. on missiles? Yeah, and or, the, that is what the majority of the patent itself talks about, is its use as a detection device and a communications device. Okay. 99% of that patent is that. And there's like one sentence where it's like, oh, maybe we could also make tornadoes with it or whatever, you know, like right at the end. But yeah, that yeah. is pl- totally plausible. And the it would seem like it would be, have the, capa- the capability to do so. Because it does create right. a vast amount of energy, but... Not enough, it would seem, to start a hurricane somewhere, but enough to broadcast, you know, the equivalent of, you know, high power radio signals pretty much anywhere in the world. Absolutely. Including yeah. your brain. And there's the brain <laughs> thing, right. 
So this isn't abs- this isn't actually all that far out. It disturbs me and freaks me out to say that, but we've like we brought up DARPA earlier and it is there is a technology. It does exist. You can make people hear something as if it is originating from their own heads. You can make yes. somebody hear something in their own mind. It's even been used. I think that DARPA was attempting to find some way to basically like put it into like a little cannon where you could point it at somebody, basically. They figured out how to put it in trains in Europe. I swear, I read this article. I think it's in Germany. No. Oh. There's an advertising agency. Oh, no. Are you, are you ready for this that has this technology? And they've put it in the windows of the train. So if you're like... If you're, if you're commuting home on the train and you lean over and your forehead touches the the glass, get ready for your Der Spiegel ad or, oh my or God. whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. Um, but, I mean, the idea of, like, beaming that to you, Austin, in Athens, right. Georgia, or... Go, like reaching out and like dragging Hurricane Katrina up so it hits uh-huh. New Orleans. I mean, it seems a little far out. It seems far out to us, yes. right? But there are researchers out there, like we mentioned before, and I think we should talk about them for just a minute mm-hmm. as we're closing. We're getting towards the end of the episode, mm-hmm. and so if you want to research the conspiracy theories around Hartmore, Jerry E. Smith, mm-hmm. right, who's written. Uh, a book about harp and then another book about weather control I, th- I believe he runs a publishing company called adventures unlimited press mm-hmm. and uh they sent us they used to send us their catalog and used to send us books back when we were doing the second season about there mm-hmm. and some of the disinfo stuff and good to shout them out and uh, the other guy nick baggage jr nick baggage jr you know, he's interesting let's bring in this weird thing he runs earthpulse.com or org right um this guy Angels don't is, play this harp. and wrote Angels Don't Play This Harp. He yeah. is the son of Nick Begich, uh, a representative from a former representative from Alaska and the brother of current U.S. junior senator for Alaska, Mark, Mark Begich. Begich. Yes. And Nick Begich Jr. has a really interesting pedigree, actually, like his publications are varied. Um, he's been a um, he's been kind of a what would you call it a a contractor a um a consultant um for various corporate firms in alaska for various um, investments and also interestingly uh tribal natives mm-hmm. he is he kind of comes from the ruling elite mm-hmm. if for, for what it's worth in anchorage right? yeah in anchorage, the ruling right. elite. uh he stands up for native rights yeah he's an activist and you know his Works family the local community yeah but also is convinced that harp is all what all the conspiracy theorists say it is. Yeah, and is like the big proponent of this, and that's very rare. Usually, you know, they have the more Alex Jones background. Uh-huh. Some of these folks leaning like, a little more you know, right. Yeah, yeah, like don't come from money. They come from middle class suburban backgrounds. Mm-hmm. A lot of them, whatever. Not this guy. Yeah. Now this is the bit that I can't make sense of. So. He is a formal tribal administrator and village planner for uh, Chi- the Chickaloon Village Council, okay. which is an Athabascan, Alaskan Native community, right? Okay. Um, the Athabascan is it's kind of a tribal identity that extends beyond the Chickaloon area. There's Athabascans in Anchorage and what have you. Um, the strange thing about HARP is that while it is currently shut down, it's not shut down forever. 
It's just on hiatus. It's pending a new contractor coming in. It's government-owned, contractor-operated. The old contract ran out, and it's currently looking for a new contractor to come in. This is the bit that's weird. One of those is a corporation called Atna, which is an Athabascan native corporation corporation that employs 1,000 Alaskan natives and has like 1,600 Alaskan Mm -hmm. shareholders, Alaskan native shareholders. It's a tribal corporation co-op, basically. Mm -hmm. And it is trying to come in and take control of HARP. Make of that what you will. I got nothing to connect to those. It's a small Alaska? (laughs) It's a small small world. world. True. Okay. Gotta visit sometime. Yeah. Maybe not go to the HARP facility, though. Mm. You think they'd let us in? They they wouldn't let the body in. <laughs> what, He's what chance Navy, do we have? Former Navy SEAL, I ain't got time to wait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you won't let the body in. What we chance do we have? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, maybe we'll find our own Bohemian Grove to sneak into one day. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's been a good episode, Austin. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll revisit the harp as the what? The, the harp <laughs> as further developments kind of unfold. See if it cool. gets picked up because currently the only people slated to be using it, DARPA. It never ends, does it? It never ends. We'll see you next week. You have been listening to Out There Radio. For more information or to access premium episodes, please visit us online at outthereradio.net